Hands people out there, bushwhack and loose. Great to be on the Wolfie D Show and all the fans out there. G'day, matey. Oh! Hey, this is Jimmy Street, host of the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. Hear the life and times of professional wrestler Wolfie D. From his time in the territories with PG-13 to his time in WWE, ECW, WCW, TNA, and more. Nothing is off limits and nothing will be held back. Thanks again for tuning in. Here he is, Wolfie D. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome one more time to the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. Today we welcome Hall of Famer Bushwhacker Luke. How are you doing today, sir? Bloody love you, tell your mother. <laughs> it's great to have you on, Luke. I saw you, well, I guess it's been, what, two, three years ago since I stopped in your gym uh, when I was living in Tampa. So I want to talk about, man, uh, and me and you kind of touched on this because, you know, most people now, they know you as bushwhackers. I, however, was a Nashville guy. That's where I grew up, and I grew up on Memphis wrestling. Um, I'm even going to go back further than that, though, because I looked something up, and this I did not know. Uh, you and you and Butch were first called the Kiwis. Uh, in, y'all were in, in Canada, I think, doing that. We what took, Kiwis? Why that name? We came into North America in 1972, mm-hmm. and we were, we were known as the New Zealand Kiwis. And a lot of people didn't know what a key a kiwi is a New Zealander. You know, like Australia is called an Aussie. A key a New Zealander is called a kiwi. Now, kiwi is a small bird. Well, you've heard of the kiwi fruit. That's right. what they kiwi fruit. Well, the kiwi is actually the smallest bird and lays the biggest egg for its size. And huh. that's only only in New Zealand. It only comes out at night. I did I not know that. I <laughs> did not know that. If you know that uh, now, if you look at American boot polish and the cans of, you know, the nugget, you, you brush on your boots to shine them up. There's yeah. a little, right. There's a little bird on the on the on the um, on the container. You'll see a little That's bird. That's a kiwi bird. Interesting, interesting facts. Um, so, yeah. like I yeah. said, my my thing was the sheep herders. The sheep herders, uh, and and actually. It, it was not you and Butch when I was watching it because it was you and Jonathan Boyd there for a long time because Butch decided to uh, – what I read on the internet, now you can correct me if I'm wrong, that he just, I guess, sort of like homesick or wanted to wrestle closer to home. So he, he left, and it was you and Jonathan Boyd for a while, correct? Well, uh, the Butch got the, the, the Butch got the Dear John letter. Ah. <laughs> he tried to go home. He tried to go home to put the marriage together. Ah, I see, I see. And marriage together, but he spent two years at home, and then he came back. He joined me in, in, in the early 73, 83, in, in Joe Blanchard's territory. And I was the booker there for, for um, Southwest Championship Wrestling. But he went home in about 1981. Mm-hmm. That's when we were in Puerto Rico. We'll we'll get to that. Yeah. And that's what happened there. But before that, we were the the Kiwis, and then we became the New Zealand sheep herders in 1979 when we came into um, invaded North America, and we started in Oregon. You wrestled in so many different territories, um, just in the territories. And, and it seems like you always ran into the fabulous ones. I mean, that has to be your long-standing best feud, or is it? No, well, the, I was booker in a lot of territories, so that's why I, I didn't run into them. I took, I booked them. Gotcha. Ah, I booked them because yeah. I, I drew money. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so we, we, that, that was y'all's best angle of all time was against them all the time. No, defense. They're two little guys with big hearts who we grew. Right. Uh, well, I, I gave one of them the first break, Bobby Fulton. I gave yeah. him his first first break. You know, when I had, was a Booker in Port in um, Tennessee uh, in um, Texas. I uh-huh. gave him his first break, and then later on he got with um, Tommy. With his, his part, Tommy Rogers, and we had a feud. Uh, that feud went on all over the all over the South, you know, from Texas, Texas over to Florida, over everywhere. South, you started in Bill Watts' territory. Yeah, yeah, but other but the other feuds we had, we drew money was the Tambui Express. Two guys in the them. Pound. We drew a lot of money with them. We drew money with big guys too. A lot of yeah. big guys. You know, overseas in South Africa, you know, Jan Wilkins, the South African champion, 6'6, six, 6'5, six, six, 280. Him and another guy from England. We drew big money all through in South Africa with those, those two guys. Adara Singh, a guy called Dara Singh from England, right. and, um, and, and Jan, Jan Wilkins. He was the big um, South African champion in the 70s and 80s. Huh. 70s, mainly, in the, in the early 80s. And y'all, you know, back then, you guys were just, it was it was blood, brawls. It, I loved it. And like I said, I, I do remember the the, uh, the feud with the Fantastics. I do remember yeah. that. And, and the fabulous ones, those were the ones that really stuck out to me as a kid. And that was during the times when I had just, you know, really gotten turned on to wrestling. And those were the days when I was like, I want to do this. This is what I want to do. So you did play a huge part in making me want to be a wrestler. (laughs) That's what we were known as hardcore, really hardcore tag team. And uh, we were, it was, people were saying later that we were hardcore before hardcore became a name brand. Yeah, right. Barbed wire matches, barbed wire cage matches, um, fire matches, boot um, boot camp matches, glove on a pole matches. We made matches up, different matches up to keep the feuds going. And they're all blood and gut matches. And this is from the late 70s right through to we, till we went to Vince. Right. Your stuff yeah. was, it was before there was hardcore, before it had a name, you know? Right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey folks, to get your official Live It In Color with Wolfie D merchandise, go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Live Wolfie D. Check it out. If you're listening to Live It In Color with Wolfie D on Apple Podcast and like what you're hearing, go ahead and leave a five-star rating. And while you're at it, write a review. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you'd like to hear in the future. It's very important to us and always appreciated. Thanks again. I would love to hear a story about Stu Hart. Well, I'll tell you one thing for a start. 
we actually worked against you hard. You know, in my life, I've worked against some names that people... Well, I'm going to jump to going to the Hall of Fame. I Here I am jumping now. When they, they said, you're going in the Hall of Fame, and I put it on the internet, fucking people were, what the fuck are you doing with these two guys? They're old. They've only been the clowns in the wrestling business. This is, <laughs> this is how it was all over the internet. When, when people that didn't know who we that we were the sheep herders, they were saying, um, why are you putting these two old, old clowns in the Hall of Fame? And, that, and then when we told them that we'd worked with um, Peter Malvia, the Rock's grandfather in the 60s right. in Australia and New Zealand and, a, and Butch with him in Samoa, and we worked with Killer Kowalski in the 70s and, and the 60s in Australia. Right. And um, he's the guy that broke in Triple H and um, China, and we worked with Stu Hart. We worked with, you know, with the Rock's dad, we worked all over the uh, the state and in Japan and and um and in New Zealand and Australia. So right. people got they were woken up when we heard that we'd been tag team since '66. I started in right. 1962. Who who yeah. trained you? Who broke you in? There's a guy that my my next door neighbor was a bodybuilder, and he uh-huh. was in New Zealand and um. He comes second, and the, and the um, judge said, do you want to make some money with that body? And um, the judge was a former New Se- 1950 Mr. New Zealand. I'm getting well back before you were even in your father's sack. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you got that one? <laughs> Anyhow, uh, he, he said, do you want to make some money with that body? And he didn't, he, you know, he was Mr. Former, Mr. New Zealand, but now he owned, he was a wrestling promoter in New Zealand. And then, and there was only two, one in the capital, capital city, which ran most New Zealand, and there was one in Auckland, which is the biggest city, and um, he only ran Auckland. And the guy who was Mr. New Zealand um, said to him, you know, come into the gym. Now, the, the gym was about eight miles away from where we live, and um, it was like in the Rocky, in a Rocky movie, the first Rocky movie, with the steam pipes rattling, and... and um, and kettlebells lying all over the floor, no machines. There was a bench press and a squat rack. And there was a pulley to do triceps. Right, right. And everything was kettlebells lying around the floor. There was two two, um, big bars, the 45-pound bars, or there was three. There was one, one for squatting, and there was one on the bench press. There was two of them. And the rest, and a couple of other bars, but the rest of them were all in solid bars. You know, the you know, all the bars, you know, for curling and all that, they were right. solid. You know what I mean? The weights yeah. were firmly, firmly on. They were molded like that. And the kettlebells, and and the, there was two rings. The floors on the rings were as hard as the floor in your house. The <laughs> boxing rings, twenty foot by twenty foot. Yeah. They came up about. Oh, nine inches off the floor of the gym to, to a foot off the floor. Uh-huh. And, and the gym wow. was called Coolman Gym. In the, it was well known in the British countries. New Zealand is under the Queen. You know, like South Africa, India, uh, Pakistan, Australia. They're all under, and the Caribbean, some of the islands like um, Jamaica, Trinidad. They're all under the Queen. You know, like British, yeah. in the British countries. Gotcha. Um, so this gym was well known because the Commonwealth Games are, are the British Games 
compared to the Olympic Games. Even though New Zealand and Australia go in the Olympic Games, the, the British countries have the, the games and they're called the Commonwealth Games. Have you ever heard that? No, I've never heard, heard it. it. You have? I have, yeah, yes, sir. Sir. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, this gym had a lot of boxers and wrestlers from around the world, around the British countries, you know, when they come to New Zealand, this was the gym they went to in New Zealand. It had, it was notorious. They had a lot of welterweight and and middleweight and um, champions, boxing and wrestling. No wrestling champions in New Zealand, but they all came there. The wrestling champions when they came to New Zealand for um, tournaments, you know what I mean, wrestling tournaments. Yeah. And with the yes, boxing, sir. we had a lot of boxes there. A lot of, anyhow, there are the gyms. That's how the gym was. And I started going there in 1961. I was 160 pounds to 170 pounds soaking wet. Yeah. And how I got into business. I'll, I'll cut straight to that. Yeah. I've been to one wrestling show. We never had television. And, and we didn't get television until 67 in New Zealand. Now, this was 61, 62. I never. I, I'd seen. I think I'd seen one wrestling magazine that come from the state. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm, I've been to one wrestling show in the town hall, Wellington Town Hall. Wellington's the capital. The second, the second one I went was. I'm going. I'm with Brian, my next door neighbour, who, mm -hmm. whose best name is Bruno Becker. Okay. Okay. I went to a second show with him in Palmerston North. One of the guys, the light heavyweight guys, it used to only be three pro, three or four pro matches, maybe three pro matches, and the amateurs up to half time, and then the pros would go on after half time. Mm -hmm. Understand that amateur wrestlers? That was right. the first part of a professional wrestling show. Right. And then after half time, the pros would come on, and um, the guy, the light heavyweight or middle or junior heavyweight, whatever I think it was light heavyweight. Didn't rise. Next minute, I get a pair of boots thrown to me and a tank top. I had jeans on. As I kept the jeans on, I put a tank top on and the boots on. And um, I, next minute, I was in the ring. Now, don't ask me what happened in that match. <laughs> Man, my first match of my life. Had they smartened you up yet, or was your first match you just kind of went out there and did whatever? No, it was semi. No, no, smart me up. I've been I've been working on the mat now for six or nine months in the gym, and the light light guys were like semi professionals. They right. were rugged, you know. They had had cauliflower ears and all that sort of stuff. Right. And I was skiing like like a string bean or you know whatever five, five foot eleven and and lean and lean. That I was sixteen, just started sixteen years of age. And um, I had long blonde hair. Anyhow, um, then I got, I had the name of, my name was Ted Williams. Not, not my real name, but my name as a wrestler and was known, I was known around by my mates here as Ted Williams, right? Okay. It when I came to the States, they had to change that because of the, because of the baseball player. Right. Anyhow, <laughs> that's when they changed, uh, anyhow, um, so I'm, my gimmick is now, I'm a, I, I always loved this guy from Australia who used to come over, it was Murphy the Surfy, and, and he, he became a royal kangaroo with Jonathan Boyd before, later on. Anyhow, Murphy was a, a surfy, he was a gay gimmick, he got it all gorgeous George, and uh, um, I did okay. that sort of gimmick, and I was sweet, I was a gorgeous Teddy Williams. All right. From the, now, from 1962 to 65, I worked as, at 65, I worked as 
gorgeous Teddy Williams. Gotcha. And then, then I put put a bit of weight on now. At 66, 65, Jim Barnett. You ever heard of Jim Barnett? Yeah, I've heard that oh, name yeah. from Bill Jim Dundee. Jim Barnett is, was the gay wrestling promoter who owned Florida He owned part of Florida Championship Wrestling. He owned Georgia Championship Wrestling. A part of Chicago. Jim Barnett is the guy that owned WCW, and he opened right, up WCW. Right. He had he was in about five territories in the states as partners, but his main one was in Georgia, in, in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. He right. was the guy who got Ted Turner to put wrestling up on the, the sky. You know, WTBS was the first cable uh, satellite station to have wrestling, and right, Barnett right. was the. Jim Barnett worked for Crockett's. You know, later on, when he was older, he worked for Crockett's and he worked for Vince. He was a good friend of Vince Sr., but he worked for Vince Jr. later on. Anyhow, he opened up Australia in 65 with American wrestling. And I I went over to work for him about 66. You know, this is with Killer Kowalski and all the Buddy Austin, Brute Barnard, the names, the uh, Spurs, Arion, Murrow, and a lot of big names. From my right. from the state, and that they were over there. They were all, most of them have passed away now. And um, and he changed my name to Sweet William. Instead of gorgeous Teddy Williams, he changed my name to Sweet William. And I was Sweet William from then right up to till I went until 1979 when we changed to the Sheep Herders, and um, and Luke and I was changed to Luke to Luke Williams. Did you and Butch get put together, or did you put yourselves together? We put ourselves together. In New Zealand at that time, mate, I just said there was three or four, because amateur wrestling, Butch started in 66. Mm-hmm. I would do a single with a guy, and Butch would do a single, and then, and um, and his single I'd run in, and, that, and then they'd have a match, uh, a match after that. And then we'd come back in a tag, butcher me against the two first guys we worked, and then it'd right. be the main event. Right, right. That's how the card went. When they dropped the amateurs out of it, it must be the first match of the night. You know, we didn't have five matches. Right. Four, four matches on a card, and it was all rounds. You know, the, the heavyweight matches were eight eight-minute rounds or eight six-minute rounds. The light heavyweight matches or middleweight matches were six fives or five fives. And if you didn't do, you know, six fives, if I didn't do five rounds, you know, the people would be fucking booing. And the heavyweight matches, they're eight-minute rounds. If you didn't do six six rounds, six, eight to 48 minutes, the house would be empty next time. Right. It got fucked. Anyhow, so what happened was when they dropped the fucking um, hammer, I would go on first with the guy and that and work, and then Butch would go on second. And I'd run in or something or other, so to get the. And then when I ran in to fucking come come on the baby face, the baby face that I worked in would run in to fucking save the other baby face, and would, that's how we'd put the tag together for later on. Right. So we'd work. That's two matches, and then they'd have another match, another match with the heavyweight, and then it would be intermission. So there'd be three matches, you know. Three matches. Then after the mission, Butch and me had come back against the first guy in the first or second match, and then the main event, the heavyweight main event. So that was five matches for the night. Right. That Butch started Butch. more or less in 1966. You know, that uh-huh. first year Butch started, that sort of happened later on that year. That's when we first started going together. And when did when did uh, 
It was Johnny Ace. Was he the first one to wave the flag for you? No, no, no. The first one that waved the flag was um, Buddy Rose, who was in WWE. Remember Buddy Rose? Yeah, Playboy. Playboy. He was 245 pounds when he worked for Vince Senior. Buddy Rose's Playgirls, and then and then when he came back for Vince Junior, he was 345 pounds. Right. With the yeah. blow with the blow away diet. <laughs> I, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see that? We put powder all yes, over sir. his body. When he put the fan on and blew the fat off. <laughs> right. Right. Always yeah. Announced him, always announced him as two seventeen, two hundred seventy. Right. Pounds. Exactly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, I remember went, that. When we we went to, we were working. We were. We, I'm jumping, jumping over Stu's territory now. We the, the people that brought us into North America was a Vachon. Oh yeah, and the okay. Territory Grand Prix. It was in my out of Montreal. It did Ontario and Quebec. Little did right. we know, Ron. We learned that you know, fifteen twenty years later, we learned. That that was the hottest area in North America at that time. That was drawing the biggest crowds regularly. That was, um, you know, when we arrived there in 1972, Andre had come in in 71, late 71, and Killer Kowalski was there. Now, Killer Kowalski had known from Australia, you know what I mean, from 65. He was the, the, the guy that busted Australia wide open. With an angle, with Jim Barnett at an angle. And Andre, we, we we met Andre well before he comes to North America. He comes to New Zealand and Australia in 69, I think. He worked as Gene Free and that which he'd been working over Europe and England. And he was 350, 360, 7'4 four with a big afro. Butch and me would do um, handicap matches all around New Zealand and that. And then we'd do tag matches with him and the promoter against me and Butch. So we had known Andre very well. For three months he was in or two months he was in New Zealand, we worked with him most nights, most every night, you know what I mean? Yeah. Every country. So, um, so when we came to Montreal for through the, the Vachons, the two main guys, Kowalski was the main heel, and the baby face was Andre. And uh, the, company, the company called Grand Prix was running three towns a night. That's, and the Rougeaus were opposition, and that Jack and Jock Rougeau, that's the father and the uncle of, of the Jock Rougeau and Raymond Rougeau, that they were running one town a night, so there was four towns a night getting run in that area. The wrestling was hot. I'm talking about yeah. hot. Toronto, sellouts all the time. You know, the Maple Leaf Guard, the, the stadiums in, like in, in um, Quebec, you know, like um, Montreal, Forum, Quebec Forum, all of them, all sold out. It was just, the business was super hot. I bet those, those were awesome times to, to be in the wrestling business, I would imagine. And we were working with, we were working with Dino Bravo was 19 years of age. And then we had Gino Brito, the other Italian, we were working with them. And then we were working with Tony Patlacy and Dominic Danucci. Danucci's still alive. He lives in Pittsburgh. He's 80-something, 80-something. Right. We were working with those two Italians. We were working with the first red Indian that ever went to Europe, um, Billy Two Rivers and Johnny War Eagle, the two Indians, well-known Indians. And that right. we were working with those. So the, the main runs were with Gino Brito and Dino Bravo. So I'd known Dino, you know, since he was 19 years of age. Yeah, so then, we, and then the next territory was 
Stu Hart's territory was the most ribs. This is when I really learned what ribs were, heavy ribs. Let's take a quick time out and get a word from one of my dope-ass sponsors, and we'll be right back with more Live and in Color with Wolfie D. This is Steve Bowtie Bryant here. Back in the 90s, I was a pro wrestling photographer for the South, and I released what might have been one of the original sets of indie trading cards. I ran across some of these original sets. They were up in Randall Fanning's attic all this time. PG-13 rookie card, Ricky Morton, George Weingroff as the Sheep, Chris Champion, Reno Riggins, Billy Montana, Gary Valiant, the Scorpion, the Medic, Rick Reynolds, Jeff Daniels, Mephisto and Dante, Ben Jordan, Steve Neely, Marcus Woodrow, Clinton Charisma, Little Farmer John, if you'd like an opportunity to get these cards, contact me now. You can get them for only $49.99. Contact me at stevebowtiebryant at iCloud.com. Get your set now while supplies last. So let, let me go back. I really want to know this because, okay, so as I told you, um, I, I, I'm the sheep herders is what I remember you the most as, what I liked you the most as as a kid. So in 1989, December of 1989, I uh, was broke into business by Gypsy Joe. Uh, at that next year, I have a You know, Gypsy Joe, Puerto Rican guy, he was crazy. I've known him since uh, 1981. He was, <laughs> he was a tough of a gun. <laughs> Gypsy Joe, mate. There's only one Gypsy Joe. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. He, was, yeah. He, was, he was good. He, he was good mother, too. And I, he was just a good person, you know. Uh, but at any rate, so the reason I was getting into that, I was when right before I got into the business, I was 16 when I had my first match. I was 15 while he was training me. Uh, but before that, from, say, age 10 till that time, uh, I had a friend, and me and him, you know, big marks. We loved wrestling. And we hated when our favorites would go, you know, they'd be in WCW or wherever, a territory or something, then they'd get to Vince, and Vince would, you know, change the gimmick and kind of make them into cartoon characters. And that's what I could not stand that they did with you. My question to you is, and I know the money was good and the gimmicks were good and all that kind of stuff, but where did he change the, from the sheep herders to the bushwhackers in, the, in, the, in that style? Did, okay. did were you against it, or were you like, whatever? I'm going to give you the story. Okay. I met Jim in Columbus, Ohio, and that, I never worked out on my drum. You know, the core? <laughs> Butch always did 15 minutes on the drum, on the core. I, I go out <laughs> and get all my... I'm working for, for Jimmy Crockett, NWA, mm-hmm. and we just shot an angle with Barry Windham and Lex Luger. We were working with right. the Rock and Roll Express. And then I go and answer my phone. There's a phone call a Pat, from Pat. I don't know. Pat my back. Pat my ass. I heard the <laughs> fuck is Pat. Um, um, I, I, um, he says, give me this number of call. I give the number of call. And he said, Pat Patterson here. And I said, who? Pat Patterson. And I went straight away, the bell rang. Ray Stevens and Pat Patterson, one of the best tag teams ever. You know? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Really. Uh, they were and still are in the books of everybody. Anyhow, um, I give the phone a ring, and Pat says, hey, I've got a guy to talk to you. 
And the guy says, G'day, Kiwi. This is Vince McMahon. <laughs> okay. You know, I've been sending tape. I've been sending tape to to his father. And then <laughs> way back then, it wasn't tapes. It was a, a fucking big wide teller. Uh, what are they called? Uh, I forget the name then, back then. But I've been sending tapes since 1981 to Vince. Mm-hmm. Senior, but he always had big men. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and... Um, so uh, so I say, blah, blah. He said, I'd like to have you guys to come in. When you can come in, straight away I said, when do you want us to come in? <laughs> and he says, no, I want you to, you know, when you get time off, I said, well, I'm off on Wednesday, which we weren't, but <laughs> we're off on Wednesday. So um, this is Saturday. This is Saturday. Vincent Butch comes out of the arena and he says, well, what are you doing? And, blah, blah. and I said, I just had a call. And he says, who from? I said, I just called, I just spoke to Vincent Man, <laughs> and he know that's <laughs> you. That's you. I've been sending tapes there for a long time. Yeah, you know what I mean. Right. Uh-huh. Even to book a position, I always got my TV crew to put a good tape together. You know. Anyhow, right. so we sort of go up there, and um, we're now we're on Vince's office, and we're sitting on the other side of the desk. He says, "I'd like to make you guys good guys." What do you think of that? And of course, me being old-fashioned in the system, I piped up and said, bring us in as heels and turn us baby faces. Now, I didn't know that you could, you, do, you don't tell Caesar what to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, right. Desk, put his nose about a foot away from Vince. Butch got up on Vince's desk, put his nose away about a, a foot away from Vince's nose. He says, if you can make these faces, baby faces, go for it. And he says, check out my mug, the mugs on my on my uh, babies, he says. Hulk Hogan, fucking Jake right. the Snake, Jim Duggan. Right. They haven't got pretty right. mugs, have they? Yeah. <laughs> and then Butch, Butch sat back and says, go for it then. So we're going to bring you up and do vignettes with you for a couple of weeks, for about um, a month or three weeks. You know, every week I'll bring you up and we'll do so many vignettes because I will put them on the shows. At that time, Vince had about, um, you know, he was on USA Network, but he was on ABC, NBC, CBS, on all yeah. the other affiliates too. So that's why we're doing great business because we're on, a, we're on a, 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 a Sky Channel, you know, from the Sky USA um, yeah. and that, but we're on, um, we're on the other channels too. We get back home. We're on the road. We get home on Monday or Tuesday, and there's a there's a there's um a, what's the name said to us? A butch rings me up. He says we got a I got a contract here, but I sent it to the wrong people. It's to the bushwhackers. By the way, Vince wants to own our name because he does the merchandise, big time merchandise. Yeah. So um that was it. So we started doing coming up, and at that time, Crocodile Dundee Two was a big movie in the t- in all the theaters. Right. Crocodile Two. So we we hopped on that train, right. you know, doing down under shit, you know, wrong side of the street where the cars are driving, you know, yeah. walk up people where to go, and they, you know, we'd ask people directions, and they'd tell us where to go. And you know, over here, when you tell someone where to go, you mean that means up your fucking ass, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, we did a lot of vignettes. I don't, I don't know whether you saw any, but there was a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. A lot yeah. of they were all comical, and that. Now he gave us the name. 
he said, I want you to be between the sheep herders and the moon dogs. And Butch says to me, the moon dogs have been on USA Network for the last four years, and we've been on TBS as the sheep herders for you know, off and on for nine years. We've worked for, we've worked for Crockett a lot, you know what I mean? Right. We've done NWA territories, like um, about four NWA territories under the banner, but we'd worked out of Charlotte, you know, in, in 1980 against Snooker, against, um, against Steamboat and Youngblood. Before he died, we'd worked, you know, for him, uh, we worked, and we'd worked against a lot of people in NWA, and then we'd come back and we worked later on against, you know, or we worked against Jimmy Valiant and partners, Rocky Johnson and all that sort of stuff. And uh, anyhow, so he said to that, and Butch says, well, they've been on and we've been on the other thing. Let's do something completely different. So when we went out, the, when we used to work as heels, when we got went outside the ring, we'd swing our arms up and go, whoa, and I'd do yay to scare the people, you know what right. I mean? So swing our right. arms over the barrier, and whoa, yay. And he says, well, let's uh, go to the ring swinging our arms. Who came up with the walk? Because that's I the, the infamous. My shoulders are so fucked, I can't do that. And he says, you butcher to me, do you want to make money? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, and then he added he when, when he smashed and added he put his head over the barrier and the people would rub his head. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Rub each other's head in the right. ring. And then he then he'd get the people to put their head down. He'd rub their head and give it a lick. When I when they would put their heads over the rail to get their head licked, I'd put my hand grab their grab their head with my hand and I licked the back of my hand. I never licked. Oh, thank God. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, not like Butch. And anyhow, um, anyhow, so that's how we got. We, we came up with that gimmick, and then now, yeah. now, all the people say, you know, who we worked with before, and and uh, people are from Puerto Rico because we worked a lot of South America, you know, Central America, you know, Panama, uh, Venezuela, Colombia, and all that, and uh, they all said. That we're a blood and guts. He said, "How can you do that sort of shit?" And I said, "That's fucking. It's easy, mate. Hey, yeah. Before, so we said it's easy because you know we were wrestlers. We were NWA. We were wrestlers. WWE. We become celebrities. Celebrities make money. You know, in merchandise. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. that was that was that sold that. You know, they they, they didn't like to tell. We had a lot of people say." Like me, like is the, the sheep herders, and underneath us, butcher me are both heels and heart. Right, you know I mean? we're right. heels because we 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 used to be able to get the people to stand up, sit down. You know when we worked with them. Now you know with Bobby Fulton and, and that fantastic. They had they'd worked with tag teams, but they you know we used to tell them that they were fighters before. They were wrestlers. We, we right. turned around and became fighters, and we said, you know, listen to the people. And we used to tell them, let's stand them up. Let's sit the people down. We could do that with the people because we had that fucking psychology and that heat. We could we, we would be fucking doing dirty stuff. Then we'd let them fire up and come back, and the people would stand up and start cheering. And we'd let them get to so far, and they would cut them off again, not, give them, not let them go all the way. And then, and, you know, we taught a lot of people psychology. Mm-hmm. And the yep. stage, when we went for Vince, and now I'm jumping ahead again. When we went to Vince, 
we worked with a lot of teams that fits were very green. I'm talking about green green. And yeah. that yeah. nasty boy. They come in and they'd be working. They worked in your area, you know, around there. But at the time, it was only drawing two to 400 people at a show. You know what I mean? Right. It was in the late 80s, it was there. And they, and they and they were on top. They were on top of Vern, drawing 200 people. They had no idea. Vince liked them because they... Vince liked them because they looked nasty. They were two big guys, 350. They had a different look. And he put them with us for a year and a half. Boy, the first six months, four months, they'd, they'd punch you. The punch took the shits, but it went, it might have only been outside your body um, six or eight inches, but it felt like it sunk into your body six or eight inches. Honestly, <laughs> it was fucking unreal. You know, we got them to work in the end. We got, we got them to learn to work in the end. And they realized how, how the business was instead of what they were doing. Same as the Beverly Brothers. Same as all the teams he put us. There was only a few good teams that he put, put us with that were working before. Tom Pritchard and, and his partner. You know, yeah. they, they were. Bodies. The bodies, yeah. Tom, Tom and his partner were good workers. You know, there was a few teams, but the rest, the Rougeos were good, but they but they hated doing jobs. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Radio right. was okay, right. but Jock, Jock hated doing jobs. You know what <laughs> I mean? And, um, who else? Uh, the Bolsheviks. You know, um, yeah. the uh, Boris was a hell of a worker. I've known him since he started in 1981 in Charlotte. And, then, and Nikolai, Nikolai was rough around the edges, but he, the, the, the people hated him and he drew money. You know what I mean? Right, right. They wanted to see him get his ass kicked. Private Jim Nelson. <laughs> you know, a river they put on Jim Nelson, mate. They told him he had painted leather boots, white, when he started. And they say, they told him the only way to keep them, the paint without cracking them, ring, put them in the fridge every night. So after the match <laughs> every night, home, and he's put his boots in the fridge. <laughs> now, now, now this, is, this is straight up, mate, because he had a flatmate with him, apartment mate with him. We're all living in the Holiday Inn at Tuckasegee Road in Charlotte. This was in the early 80s, and there was units. They had units, two bedrooms and a lounge kitchen. And um, they had blocks and blocks of these units like that. And um, they were living there. And uh, he was living there, and his partner told us, the person in there told us that he's put the, they had the, the boys coaxed him, told him he had to put them in the fridge. That's how green he was. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> and he became one hell of a worker, mate. One hell. You know, they, the um, Nikolai got all the all the praise and that, but it was Boris. Boris kept that team alive. Didn't you use the the headlock uh, battering ram thing? That was y'all's finish there. Had y'all ever used that before? Yes, we did the battery round before too. Okay, I, I couldn't remember. I'm going to ask you a, a, a question just because we we kind of touched on it earlier, and you said there was only one Gypsy Joe, and having been trained by him, give me a good Gypsy Joe story. That's right. I know. I know some of the the, the bumps he took. He he used to go over the top rope, not even hold it, and go into the first row. You know what I mean? If, if we went out, if they threw him outside, you know. Right. Right. As hard as nails. 
mate. I've had seventeen thousand matches at least, <laughs> and that and it's hard. It's hard to. I can't even remember the matches I had with WWF. I read. I re, I remember a part of two, which were the notorious ones that I had in my lifetime, which I'll always remember. You know, I don't know the finishes, but um, I remember going to the ring and that two of them, and that's that's the main ones that I've always remembered when I've come to these um, podcasts and interviews. But the rest, I I don't. That's one hundred percent understandable. Hundred percent understandable. So, one of those matches has to be the nineteen ninety one Royal Rumble. You walk to the ring, earthquake chucks you out. You walk back out, and you're doing the same bushwhacker move. Like an ever ready battery, mate. We kept, I kept on ticking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was I, awesome. I got hot at Vince. You know, that's one thing that I'm mad at Vince about. Two eighteen. That was the last time he played that clip. Free Royal Rumble. Right. He played it right right. Two oh one was it ninety one or ninety two? What year was that? Nineteen ninety one. Yeah. It was the nineteen ninety one Royal Rumble. From ninety two what up to two eighteen. Every every build up for Royal Rumble, every time we can you know, all the shows he put that clip on. He marched into the ring earthquake gravity and going out and kept on and then he stopped it in two eighteen. And that yeah. I still used to get asked. In airports, you're the one that got marched in and marched out. That, <laughs> that, people don't remember a wrestler; they remember the character and what you know, thing like that. And that arm swinging, and they remember just landing, going out, and bang, bang, bang through that march. Right. I remember your action figures doing the moves too. As a kid, I had your your little Hasbro action figures, the tag team. And your your move, you actually did the moves with the figure. I remember that was one of the best parts of those figures. Even the, even the last ones they put out, 218, the arms went on those two, you know? Right. We've got a legend contract, and they still do all those, you know, they still put stuff out about us. Yeah, it's and awesome. It's, it's, Man, nobody, everybody knows who the Bushwhackers are. You know, Sheepers, Bushwhackers, but everybody knows who you guys were. You had a great career. And um, like I said, man, I really, really, really appreciate you coming on here and doing this for me. Uh, I know Jimmy feels the same way. So, Jimmy, um, I want to have a current event with Luke. So, if you don't mind, DJ, hit the music. It's a current event. It's a current event. All right, we're back with Bushwhacker Luke. Luke, we've got you here, and while I've got you, I have to ask the first question. How is Butch doing? As health-wise, it's been much better, but he ripped his, he ripped all the tendons off his wrist, and that, and he's been in such pain, and that, and Butch is, you know, he's a year and a half older than me. Earlier on in the 70s and 60s, he had a gym in his home, and he's always in the gym, and that, and he, now he's gone crazy because he can't go in the gym because he's got these torn tendons in his wrist, and you know, tendons how long they take to heal yeah oh yeah, yeah. And so yeah. he's an old he's an old <laughs> the, the old saying is he's an old dog for the hard road <laughs> send him our best please you know we we wish him a good recovery on that and he's supposed he's supposed to be here come wrestlemania time you know march and april we had actually 28 bookings in the last two years we had to cancel and this year at the moment the New Zealand closed up 
So you, you can't even, um, you can't, it's, a, it's a 120 day waiting list to get back in New Zealand. You have to go, you have to go through New Zealand quarantine. They've got 6,500 rooms and they've got a list of people. It's 120 days on the waiting list to get in. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. New Zealand, though, at one point, they, if I'm not mistaken, they had it pretty much figured out, right? They had cleared out no, it's, most of they, the... Only had, it's only had 28 deaths, mate. There's, there's, right. there's no... One person came in this year. I think they've had about three people come in with the virus. But a, a Samoan came in about um, three months ago from somebody had been back home in Samoa and came back and then went to the church and, and passed it in the church. And that's why it's on, oh. that's lockdown again. And when it's on lockdown, oh. gas, only places open are gas and food things. Yeah. So the next question for current affairs, basically, I wanted to ask you the current state of New Zealand wrestling. I know America, we have Dakota Kai right now. I know New Japan has Bad Luck Fale. How is New Zealand wrestling? Have, have you pay attention to it much these days? You know, most of the top wrestlers in New Zealand are in England or Japan. There's quite a few New Zealand wrestlers in Japan. I can't, I've got the names of them, but I can't remember them at the moment, mate, because they, you know, and I know Dakota Kai is over here now she's cracked it she's cracked it and um she's she's an nxt isn't she yes sir yeah they've got and there's quite a few of them in england too but the, the, the main wrestlers the main wrestling company is in auckland there's one down in invercargill queensland that's the south there's two islands new zealand north and south and the bottom of south island there's a town a company company down there too because the owners come over to, and visited me here but um there's only two companies that are doing great business you know like every time they run they have maybe five a th- five hundred to a thousand people you know little right they just do small every month. So, okay, this is kind of a, a theoretical question. If you guys were starting out today, where in the current landscape do you see you fitting, essentially? Where would you guys work the best, and how would you go about making that happen? Ah, uh, mate, current affairs. Well, <laughs> I'm a WWE man, mate. I can't Vince looked after us, so I cannot knock that. But I, I would see us back there. I would see us there working in the system there with the um, okay. all those baby pieces of high flyers. You know, Kiwi Kiwi birds don't fly, mate. We're grounded. Right, right. So, which to <laughs> me would be heels for certain today. That there's a lot of baby faces we could work with. Right. Where can the people find you, Luke? On social media, or you're taking bookings? I'm sure. Yeah, I made social media. Go to get my Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is Bushwhacker Luke. My website dot okay. I have action figures there. I have buddies. I have go to the site and you can see everything. I have T-shirts, lunch boxes, everything for for Bushwhackers um, merchandise. Bushwhackerluke.com and to contact me. Contact me at Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or go to bushwhackerbrands at gmail.com for booking. Thank you. It's great to be on your show, Wolfie, and I hope to see you down the road. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody, this is Wolfie D uh, for Jimmy Street and Bushwhacker Luke saying thanks again for tuning in and listening to Live and in Color with Wolfie D. And now a word from our sponsor. 
gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling, the podcast that's based on the old school, but can still help you find the good stuff from today. Jimmy Street and the Plastic Sheik, Jared, are the undisputed tag team champions of the wrestling podcast world. From thought-provoking topics to superstar interviews to action figure expertise, this team does it all. And all they ask is, give me back my pro wrestling! Every other Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Join me, Gene Jackson, for the Jackson Interaction Podcast, where I'll be doing one-on-one interviews with people from the world of professional wrestling, as well as stand-up comedy. You can get them anywhere podcasts are available in both video and audio form, but you can find them all at GeneJacksonPod.com. That's right, it's the talk of Middle Tennessee, the channel you love to hate and the channel you hate to love. It's Brian Turner from Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. And if you're looking for matches from Wolfie D to Jerry Lawler to Dusty Rhodes and the team that put a pimp before your eyes and a goatee between your thighs, Booty Call and Athena, go to LostWrestling.com. See, I made it easy for you. Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. Booyah! This is your rock star ring announcer, Aaron Camaro. I'm a man who believes the two greatest art forms ever created are professional wrestling and heavy rock music. So when I'm not hosting the best parties that also happen to be live professional wrestling shows, I'm hosting the Decibel Geek Podcast. Decibel Geek is a weekly podcast that features discussions of all things rock. We're talking the Beatles, the Stones, Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix, Black Sabbath, Kiss, Ozzy, Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Alice in Chains, Pantera, and everything in between. Plus, we'll turn you on to new bands from today that have the same spirit and style that the legends do. Decibel Geek is hosted by myself along with Rockin' Pod founder Chris Sinzak. And each week, you'll get interviews with famous musicians and industry insiders, along with informative, entertaining, humorous, and insightful discussions, and most importantly, a passion for the music. So if you love to rock out as much as I do, then this is your invitation to the greatest rock and roll party in all of podcasting. It's Decibel Geek, and it's available right now on all major podcast platforms. Oh yeah! So that was another great episode. Hey, Wolfie, tell them where they can find you on social media. Jimmy, they can find me in the club, bottle full of bub. I'm just kidding. Uh, they can find me on Facebook. Uh, my personal page is Warren Wolf, W-O-L-F-E. I'm on Instagram, at WarrenWolf13. You can always find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, at LiveWolfieD. Here's the thing. Wolfie always has offers for his autographed photos. He has a selection of some awesome photos from throughout his career that he will autograph and personalize any way that you want him to. Just contact him either directly at his personal Facebook page or through any one of our other pages, and we'll make sure you get in contact 
contact directly with Wolfie. Get those photos, right, Wolfie? Yeah, I've got some good stuff on there, you know, to help with the podcast. Folks, if you can't get out to a show to meet Wolfie D, there's nothing like that, especially for the fans of PG-13 and Wolfie D. And before we go, you can always find me, your host, Jimmy Street, at James Rock Street on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And hey, Jimmy, before we go real quick, I just want to add in there, uh, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate First of all, the work you've done for this podcast. You have worked your butt off. Secondly, the people that are liking the page. Beyond that, even more, is the people that are listening. And we really appreciate that. Yeah, and remember, guys, the podcast drops a new episode every Monday at noon. And our past episodes are streaming now on demand on all major podcast formats. Thanks again. I got a cap for you, don't. He got a cap for you, don't. I got a cap for you, don't. He got a cap for you, don't. And here we go. The original white boy that came out sagging, not bragging, don't be hating, cause I'm spitting the truth. Still loving it, color. Don't rush your mother. Utilize a hubcap. I like any other. Back in the day, I was NOD, and I was P to the G plus the one and the three. In case you forgot, they call me Wolfie D. Been cloned and copied so many times. Tired of suckers taking credit for what is mine. You know who you are without me name dropping wrestling's first white boy coming out hip-hop Been doing it like this since 92 Played low for a while when you thought I was through Listen real close to these rhymes that I've injected This shit's so sick it makes your ears get infected Mad skills, no faking, there is no one great Cause I'm bringing more folks and over one for later Not here to play games, so you better beware You don't like me, so what? I really don't care Like time I keep ticking and I can't be stopped You suck a step to the side unless you wanna get dropped When I finish, I'll straight knock you out Please allow me to tell you what it's all about Gonna wind it up and I'm driving it home, it's Wolfie D, baby. Huh, I got a cap for your dome. I got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. This has been a James Rock Street production.